morning. Welcome to the old school, a new episode of the old school, a podcast dealing with primarily education issues, but a host of other things. And in this endeavor, I am joined by Herr Dr. Stephen Bourgeois. Good morning, Dr. Bourgeois. Herr Miller, how the heck are you over there in Miller land? I'm the heck fine. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a dicey, it's a dicey area, but, uh, uh, but um, uh, it's Saturday morning. People are so low cranky. They're up earlier than they thought they were going to be. But on the whole, we're doing all right. Okay. Well, I'm not cranky because you and I had breakfast bright and early. And that was fun. We we tackled some serious issues this morning. So yeah, the energized and charged the mind. The neurons are fully engaged at this point. So I'm pretty excited for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. People think that we talk about education and sports all day, but we we did a bit of a book study. We we read books and we talk about it and eat and drink coffee. It just it's surprising what we get into outside of this podcast. It's a very civilized experience, dignified one. Yeah, we're complicated. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, Ross, why don't you introduce our, our our guest, who's really no longer a guest but practically family, because this is the second time on our podcast. I think any, I think any more, he might become an official third member of the podcast here pretty soon. But uh, <laughs> we are joined by Dr. Alex Fingers, uh, principal, former teacher, and uh, he is. We were fortunate to have him on before, and very fortunate that he agreed to come back even after that first experience. So, good morning, Dr. Fingers. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, thank you all for having me back. I appreciate the invite. You know, we're talking about sports, so we we do talk about sports, and we don't you know, we talk hit and miss here on the podcast. But if y'all had a sports experience that you've never had that you most want to have, either a particular sporting experience or a particular environment or what have you, do you have that one thing that you most want to see for yourself? Hmm. Why don't you take that, Alex? Well, the first thing comes to mind is the the Olympics, the track and field events in the Olympics, okay. uh, just because of all of the, uh, you know, historical a- aspects of 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 the Olympics, and 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 you have the very very best of the best in the world competing against one another. Oftentimes, we we talk about when the, when a team wins the championship in the NBA or NFL or NHL, we call them world champions. And, and I guess that is, that is true to a certain degree. The best in the world are selected by uh, those, those organizations, but um, you're truly a world champion. You win it at the Olympics because the very, very best in the world and those for respective sports are competing. And so uh, I'd like to see that live. I like to see that live, the Summer Olympics, not the winter ones so much, but the Summer Olympics, track and field events. All right. Hey, what do you think? Um, I, I watched a lot of track and field. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and so we got to see Olympic trials and, and Prefontaine Classic, and there's nothing better in a way than watching a track meet because things are happening all the time and they have these incredible moments, and there's nothing boring about it. There's There's always something happening. Um, I've never really thought about the Olympics. Um, I know Ross, you've been to the Winter Olympics. Um, yeah. 
I, I would say I'd like to be at Lambeau Field and watch the Packers, but then Ross will say, well, I've already done that, which you have, and I get upset. <laughs> um, so I, I know where that would go. So I'm going to pick Wimbledon. Um, uh, an old tennis coach and and just just that first glance of the grass as you walk in would would be enough and then watching and um it wouldn't matter what match really just to feel the the atmosphere there and maybe the strawberries and cream or something but there there's something about that it, we whatever it is it would cost a lot of money to get there and pay for the tickets and do it but it would probably it's definitely on the bucket list What's well, interesting because I more or at least as much as I have historical things that I'd like to experience, I also have sports things I like to experience, and I have already experienced a lot of things much more than my means would seem to suggest that I could. You know, so you know I've I've had the chance to go see a lot of stuff, but uh, uh, I'm gonna be gone in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna miss the Super Bowl, but I'm going to signal Iduna Park. In Dortmund, it is the largest soccer stadium in Europe. It's thought to have the the greatest, most intense experience of any soccer game, uh, soccer scene. So we'll see how that goes. My my sense of it is, is that the 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 bang to hype ratio is going to be much more on the bang side. I, I'm I'm anticipating a pretty incredible experience, even though I I might miss the Super Bowl, even though that might mean I might miss my team winning the Super Bowl again. But still, you know, so, but, uh, but uh, I'm pretty jazzed. And so I, I just wonder if I, I often wonder if I'm the only one that has like a sports bucket list, you know, all the, all the places and things and different kinds of sports, you know, that I want to see. I didn't know how many people think about that as well. Apparently Alex does. Cause I think the Olympics is, we did the winter Olympics and that's a much smaller setup because there's not many countries not as many countries participating in the Summer Olympics. God bless it. What an incredible experience. Just walking around, people from different countries and just, you know, you hear different languages, you hear different, you know, it's an exhilarating experience. I hope you get a chance to do it because I think you will have seen the better of the two Olympics because it's because it's just that many more people, that many more cultures and languages and, you know, and not to mention the competition, like you said, so... Yeah, I, I, I really get a kick out of watching the opening ceremony and even the closing ceremony when they announce where the next Olympics is going to take place. Uh, and so, yeah, to see all of that live, it, it, it comes across well even on TV when you're watching it, you know, from the conference of your home. But I can imagine, only imagine uh, being there live and what that experience would be like. Mm. So part of what we're going to be talking about today is we transition to the topic uh, at hand. Today we're going to touch on school culture, and I'm very fascinated to hear this from a principal's point of view. But I think the first question that I want to ask you is, because like you know, like a teacher, you you've gone through the training that it takes to be a teacher, like a principal, like superintendents, what have you. There is like a particular education program that goes with what they have to know, what they have to be exposed to, to for them to be able to do their jobs well. Right. How much? How much is the formation of or the existence of school culture something that's focused on in principal training? I'd say not enough. I don't know if that's the 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 the, the, the sum, but not enough. Definitely leadership styles are discussed. That's something that I think 
most most universities that are in our teacher prep programs or leadership programs they 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 are aware of the different leadership styles and and, and rightfully so there there's so many out there and I'm sure as we're as we're doing this podcast there are more leadership styles being developed right uh, but mm-hmm. but if you if you're looking at like like we we discussed before you're looking at finite resources finite time you you don't want to look at a million different things you want to look at a few of the things that are most likely to lead to success. You kind of want to narrow it down to what are, what are the most successful leadership styles that have the biggest or greatest impact on a positive school culture? Because just like with any organization, a positive culture within that organization uh, allows for that organization to sustain success. And, and, and schoolhouses are no different. You know, uh, school organizations are no different. And so, um, uh, but as far as your question, uh, universities touch on it by way of leadership styles and, and promoting or, or discussing different leadership styles. And, 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 but honestly, not enough. I don't, I don't think the cultural aspect of how important it is to develop those are, are, are explained thoroughly enough. And maybe that's because traditionally the the professors are coming from the standpoint of being more theory-based researchers and mm-hmm. not not have that that firsthand experience themselves as as having having led campuses to really say theory suggests this and and that's true to some degree, but here's what I've learned over the years that is most impactful to couple with that. And, and and I think as a result of that reality, you're starting to see more universities uh, be interested in hiring practitioners uh, for these different programs that they're teaching about because the practitioner, the, the person who's had the experience doing what it is they're teaching about often has insights that you only get from doing. It's almost like that position is is a unicorn. I mean, you you need you need somebody who has experience, uh, and often you know there are people like that who tell war stories, and and it's it, um, very meaningful to the college students. They're getting a lot out of it, but at the same time, they need somebody who is an academic who can grade their papers. Most of graduate school is a writing contest, um, yeah. and a lot of um, people who are administrators that they they spend their time doing that that work, and so to have somebody who can do both would be ideal. But the the idea of of culture, maybe Alice, you can define what you mean by it, because I think we all have a different definition in terms of school culture. What are the big big buckets? Yeah, uh, well, basically, it's the it's the it's the positive or negative you know, uh, personality of, of the works of the work environment. Uh, and, and, and short, every institution has a culture, whether it's positive or negative or exciting or dull. Those are, those are just, you know, those are, those are parts of it. But, but I would say, yeah, it would, it would definitely be the, the personality, the, the workplace personality of an organization. And, and oftentimes, 
Um, when we're talking about culture, we're we're forgetting that the biggest the biggest element within the culture are the people. And so that's why leadership styles and, and that being a focal point, sometimes it's, it's probably a little off base. Uh, leadership styles that that correspond well with people is probably where it should should lie most as far as the the teaching and educating of, because uh, we're not robots. We're, we're we're human. We have good days and bad days. Um, the same thing that 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 was exciting on Monday may not work the, the following Monday. Um, so so that's uh that's that's why it's so such a, a moving target when you're when you're trying to uh do things to 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 create a positive culture i mean the the, the easiest way at least you know as far as if, if you're just throwing things against the wall is to provide the most income uh related to the to the work right if you if you create um more revenue or, or, or higher salaries for the employee then you like to think that that automatically leads to uh, a more positive culture but but we've seen evidence where that's not nearly the case and particularly when you talk about education where and I say this a lot but resources are finite uh, there there are still positive cultures even though that's not necessarily on the table all the time to increase salaries or to um, extend, um, I don't know, maternity leaves and, and different things that other companies outside of the K-12 system are able to offer their, their employees. I wonder, because as you know, having gone through the training to be a teacher, you know, they, they often say that you can't teach classroom management. You either have the personality to control a classroom full of kiddos or you don't. I want, and, and, Main, and I think it's difficult mainly because to change your classroom management style means to a certain extent to change a little bit your personality. You need to change, you know, how you interact with people in an effort to try to better control your environment. I wonder if culture is equally difficult. Maybe culture is not so malleable as maybe some people would have us believe because it's based on personalities. It's based upon things that are not easily changeable. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience as a principal with that? I mean, do you, do you see this as something that's not changeable, something that maybe is, but requires a great deal from everybody? Or how do you see it? Uh, culture is something that I think you, you do have as a principal, have the ability to, to influence for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes, uh, it's seen as, and you'll read in, in, in different literature that the principal, uh, the culture of the school somewhat lies within the, you know, the personality of the principal or the leadership style of the principal. And and I don't I don't know if the principal is as powerful as that. I think definitely there's everyone in that organization is looking to the principal for the norms, for what's accepted, what's expected. And, and and those things, but it really, in order for it to to take, you know, a widespread, and you know, approach, you, you'd have to you'd have to 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 extend yourself, and that's and that's through people. So the principal themselves would have to grow, 
the that that group of teachers or, or leaders to to also want to do the things that we know to be best practices for for organizations. So, and and oftentimes that's not just the, the assistant principals. And, and and in all of my experiences, I've been able to to really lean in on teachers, and then oftentimes teachers who have been there even before you uh, were slated to take over that particular. That, that particular organization, uh, a lot of influence as 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 had on 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 the teachers. Like the teachers have way more influence than than what we give them credit for, and and principals that have been able to establish or maintain positive cultures, I'm pretty sure they've all leaned on on influential members within the organization and. And and found ways to explain to them why you're there and how you can can support them as people, not just as professionals, but just as people. Um, and 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 grow them to their next level of, of that they de- that they desire to you know ascend to. So Ross and I have, and and I think think back, Alex, to your teaching time. We've all had a lot of principles over the years i don't know if i could count them all um and they seem to come in a couple of categories one are principals who are there they're part of the scenery they've been there a while they're gonna they're not going anywhere and then Mm. your your turnaround principals who have a different sense of urgency different challenges and maybe that latter category i know you've 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 been in a position where you're moving to a new uh, new job and you're asserting yourself um, how, how, how does that work? Cause, cause there's your, it's kind of a experiment on culture right there. Cause you're walking right in and they've never seen you before. They don't know you. And here you're suddenly in charge. Right. As, as we say in education, stranger danger, right. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, and, believe it or not. and that's just, that's just the reality of it. I, I, I had the, uh, I had the pleasure of, of moving from a, a, a true feeder middle school to that to that high school that that it fed to and and so I was very familiar with the student population the parents in the community uh somewhat of the culture of of that community and and and, and I like to think that I had a really good culture at the middle school that I that I was leading uh, prior to taking this 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 position but and 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 as far as geographics are are concerns concerned, you couldn't be closer. Like the campuses literally share a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yet traveling across the bridge, the proverbial bridge and the literal, you know, four-step bridge, couldn't have been further apart as far as as far as uh, the warmth and, and and being received right away you know i was stranger danger and all of the uh experiences that i have generated that was that were positive at the middle school campus they didn't carry over automatically like it was pretty much no time served you got to start from scratch with this group of people yeah we heard certain things we've asked about you we've asked around and 
and we've heard good things, but at the same time, it's still stranger danger. You're going to have to earn all of your respect and, and things from us like you did at that previous campus on day one. And that's something that I think I learned a lot from that because I didn't take that into consideration. I thought, well, they know who I am. Uh, they've seen a lot of my work. I've, I've obviously built relationships with the children that they currently teach and and uh, the parents that, that we serve. But it didn't matter. I still had to start from day one. And so it's almost easier to go to a brand new district and be a new principal there because at least going in, you already know what your work is ahead of you. Uh, I was I was under the false assumption that uh, that 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 kind of stuff necessarily uh, follows you. You know the the positive culture that you you've been a part of or had a hand in establishing or maintaining. It, it doesn't matter when you go to a new place. You're a stranger danger, and you got to put the time in with the people that you're working with. They have to know that you truly care for them, and that you're there to. To, to support and to listen and to and to and, and and then the moving of the needles, if you will, that stuff you're gonna have to do while doing those things. That's not something you can come in and say, okay, we're gonna I saw on the Peams report that this was not so good. We're gonna come in right away. We're gonna focus on that. And and that's what that, and that's where you hear those turnaround principles come in and and and, and if you ever really thought about it the turnaround principles are more like mercenaries they're not there for a long time mm -hmm. they're there they're, they're there just to get the quote-unquote job done and then they don't stick around and see all of the melee that was left behind they're off to another place to to, to do the same and 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 then oftentimes as leaders you identify when 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 you're coming across people who have that mentality uh, recently, I was on a walk, uh, doing some instructional walks with an outside agency, and and uh, this particular agency's job is just to come in and find everything that's wrong, what's going on in, in in education, and and have this very prescriptive way about about making the the changes. But it was done from a very mercenary mindset. It was not done with with collaboration in mind. It was not done with understanding that the person that you're talking about is a human, not a robot. They have feelings. They're coming to work to give their best. And if their best isn't up to speed, then how do we help them get up to speed? What do we do? What resources do we do we do we put at at their disposal to to support them? What can we take off of their plate and what can we add to their plate before we add, add a new requirement? So there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances to leadership, of course. But but you you hit the nail on the head when you talked about you know the turnaround principles. Again, those people are not the people that are at campuses for years and are, and are loved. Oftentimes, those principles are the ones that, if you think back into the ancient Egypt Egyptian days, where you see where certain pharaohs were carved out of history. That's kind of how those mercenary turnaround principles are, are seen on their campuses. That's just something that came through almost like a plague wiped out a lot of people and the rebuilding started <laughs> after <Wow. laughs> yeah. so well, safe to say i don't agree with the with the whole turnaround principle. yeah i love your i love your metaphor first of all that that was really yeah. good um 
<laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't agree with that with that yeah that mode of of of, of work or how they go about their work. Is it necessary? It must be somewhere. They they still exist and they're oftentimes employed. Is it is it my cup of tea? Not not exactly. Mm-hmm. I think we could I think we can we could improve outcomes in a way more more collaboratively. And 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 as a result of that, sometimes there are gonna be some people that are gonna feel the, the pressure to move on because they 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 kind of pick they're picking up what you're putting down, if you will. They they understand that the, the bars may be raised a little bit in certain aspects, and they're not comfortable with that. But they're making business decisions, you know, as, as we all have to. So, um, but yeah, I just I'm not a big fan of the of the mercenary turnaround schools, walk in, tell everything that's going wrong, and you don't understand the culture of the building or things of that nature. So. Uh, and all of the leadership classes that that young principals and young aspiring administrators are, are subject to, I hope that professors would take time to to explain what I explained just then a little bit more. Like there's a there's a lot of ways that you can do things, but there are very few that work. <laughs> <laughs> what a, I had a question to that because you know. What you're talking about with the turnaround principle, you're talking about change with a blunt instrument. I'm wondering how important is it for the change to seem organic? Because, you know, Steve and I, our experiences with high school, um, and, and it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost a caricature, um, where the principal comes in, they've got this cute little kind of thing to kind of get everyone together. Half the people are rolling their eyes. The, the coaches start uh, working on game plans, you know, <laughs> the teachers start looking at their feeds, you know, and it, it, it's this kind of, it's this forced kind of um, community, this desire to use the word community, to use the word family that uh, in my experience turns a lot of high school teachers off. I wondered what extent do you, do you consider the balance between doing something purposeful mm-hmm. and doing something that comes across to the teachers as organic? Yeah. Well, uh, I I think if you if you really love people and as a as a leader, you have to love people. Just just like as a teacher, you have to love you don't love students. The job of a teacher is really, really hard. Yeah, there are a lot of things where where the 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 popcorn that you got on Monday for teacher appreciation is forgotten, right? Or the little trinket that was left in your mailbox. So if you don't love kids, then the job is just it's extremely hard. It's a hard job to love kids just because you're dealing with dealing with humans. And anytime your subject or your focal point is a human, there's so many dynamics to each human that it just makes makes it makes it more difficult. That's not a one size fit all. And and and, and the Americans like one size fit all. Like being able to create a system that is simple and that it works all the time for everyone. But education is not like that. It's much like watching a flower flower bloom and plant them both at the exact same time or both the same, but they own when they're ready. And, mm-hmm. and education is when you don't take for granted that you are doing whatever that 
chill back there. I want uh, the bird train in those things, but stupid moon when they're ready. Now, there are some teachers who are more fertile. Their grounds, the grounds are more fertile and, and the conditions are more ripe for faster bloom than others. But generally speaking, they're going to bloom when they bloom, but once they, once they, once they have, they have. And, and, and as a man, you have to understand, especially if the teacher is doing the thing that, that, is, that, that is consistent with growing, you know, students, that at some point the bloom is going to happen. And that's our hope, right? And it doesn't always happen before the STAR exam. It doesn't always happen before that standardized test, or it doesn't always happen at before the district level benchmarks or whatever. And, and and as and as principals who who know the work that these teachers are putting in, we have to be there to 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 almost to talk them off the ledge sometimes and say, "Hey, I'm walking through. I'm seeing the things you're doing in the classroom. Just keep hammering away. It's working. If you might not see the results yet, you might not see the fruits of your labor just yet. But what you're doing is what is what's best for these kids. And and at some point, they're gonna blossom." It's just, um, and, but our profession as a whole is, is like that. It's very delayed gratification. You, you spend a lot of time each day. You do a lot of uh, supporting and talking and counseling and and all of these different things to to help these kids get to to the next best level. And oftentimes, you don't find out what type of difference you've made until five years later when they're graduating college and they're telling you how much you meant to them with different things that you've said. Things sometimes you don't even remember having said, but you just knew that that was what that kid needed at that time. And so uh, so our profession is one that's, that, that's naturally understanding of it being a delayed gratification, which goes against everything of, of pop culture, right? We want everything to happen right now. If you press a button, on your internet, on, on your computer, and you want the website to, to load, and it takes even a millisecond, you know, slow, if it's a millisecond slower than what it usually is, you're automatically thinking something's wrong. <laughs> so we're used to instant gratification, right? And uh, and so leaders have to understand that the work we do are with, with, with people, and so uh, it's not going to always be instant gratification. But if we keep nurturing the, the, the our, our staff, and I kind of started off by talking about staff, and I went down the hole talking about students, but the same is true with our staff. If we're not if we're not nurturing them, if we're not putting the times and energies into them that that we need to to make sure that they are growing and that they're not feeling defeated when they don't get the results they want right away. If we're not doing those things, if we don't like doing those things, then then the job is going to be really really difficult because it's already a really difficult job you have to play the long game always always mm. uh, if there were a way to 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 expedite success we'd all be doing it we'd all be successful right away but but that's just not how the world works it's not how nature works and so those that are more in tune with nature and understand that things grow in different seasons, there are going to be seasons of, of growth. There are going to be seasons of of, of somewhat dormancy. Uh, just different things are, are, are going to going to happen throughout different times of the year. And, and if you can't if you can't ride the ebbs and flows of those ups and downs, then 
and then anticipate that those are going to happen. It's going to make it really hard for you to do the job that you're tasked to do. So, so we've talked a, a lot about you know training you know, from at the university level, getting a certification, uh, maybe a, an advanced degree. Um, what about other other training? We're talking about internal training, you know, from a, a school district, from service centers, whatever it is, conferences. But internal, I mean, there are there are whole departments whose job is to develop leadership. Um, mm. What what is their role, or what has it been in your experience? Um, without getting too specific, you know, obviously because you're perfect. Yeah. right, right. Well, again, I think school districts across America are all kind of experiencing, uh, and I, I use that word, finite resources, and and those things are becoming more and more apparent across across school districts across the nation, as as uh, funding is just not not at the, at a, at a level where you can have the luxury of having a professional development department at every school district. So a lot of the professional development is going to be developed by by campuses, it's going to be more internal, and oftentimes the best professional development occurs when there is a partnership between the campus administration, uh, keeping a pulse of what's going on, what are the trends that are happening in the campus, coupled with teacher feedback and input on things that they're interested in growing in or wanting to learn more about. Once those two entities you like come together and and in a way that is authentic and 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 then professional development is designed from from that teachers or leaders within those professional development you know cycles and and are able to uh, impart on their fellow colleagues knowledge that they've gained and, and successes that they've experienced experienced based off of uh, of some having acquired some of those skills and understanding some of those those things that uh, have been decided upon for professional development. So oftentimes, what you're starting to see uh, in just uh, thank you, Mayor. Yep, campuses become more for the professional learning of its staff and. Um, uh, principals will play a big role in that because they have to they have to maintain the post. They have to have those relationships with the leaders, uh, the, the the leaders of the school, which are the the more the, the most influential leaders of the school, the teachers that 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 the that the the other teachers look up to. They have to be in, in constant collaboration about things. For example, uh, AI was a big one for us this year to start the year out. There were many teachers asking, what are we going to do about students who use AI to write papers, et cetera? And, and we actually developed some professional development around AI to understand what it is and, and how it benefits you and, and how it can be a nuisance, but it's not going away. So rather than us just ignoring it altogether, let's, let's, let's learn more about it together. And, and, uh, and we've gotten over that hump of worrying about AI so much because there's so many other ways that you can assess a student's knowledge and their learning uh, that gone are the days where I have to have you write a 10-page paper to explain to me your knowledge of a novel that we've read or a piece of literature that we're analyzing. Um, there, there are other ways to do that that 
that allows for students and teachers to maintain that same relationship without the aid of of AI. What, but also, we we, we talked about uh, ways that AI can be incorporated in our day to day work because it's a beautiful tool when 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 you're using it in a way that 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 moves the needle as a teacher. And so uh, teachers are starting to utilize it more often in, in their day-to-day, and they're seeing some benefits from it. It's like the uh, calculator for for writing, right? Mm-hmm. It is the newest tool that is going to be widespread use. And um, um, this best we, we come to grips with it and understand how to best utilize it and identify when it's used and, and, and have that be teaching moments for our, for our students, then we just uh, fear it altogether and, and shy away from it. On the topic of the idea of using other teachers to kind of help build and to shape and mold and kind of direct, I want to bring up something that might be a, a little bit controversial, but the, the notion that, and I have felt it, and I think Steve has felt it. I'm sure you may have felt it at some point or another. And that is the seemingly distrust that exists between administration and teachers. And when I was a department chair, then I got I got a seat at the t- table. And I almost had the sense like I was expected to, you know, I went into it thinking, okay, I'm the mouthpiece for the department. I'm I'm responsible for uh, making sure that my department has what they need, that their concerns are heard, that uh, that that the, the social the social studies teachers were that felt comfortable in what they were doing. But mm-hmm. then also, I found myself balancing what I, it seemed to me. Maybe I was wrong. It was a perception, but it seemed to me. A, a kind of an inherent distrust. Okay, you know when they would when they would tell us, okay, you need to get this out to your teachers. You need to remind them every day. You need, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I would think that that attitude, however prevalent you think it might be, would really hinder something like this and keep it from developing the way you envision it happening. What degree have you seen that? Do you think that that is as big of a problem as I think it is? Maybe, maybe it's just my experiences that's kind of clouded or colored my opinion. Do you see it as a bigger problem? No, you're you're spot on, and that uh, there is a natural, and it shouldn't be, but but it just exists. It naturally exists a us versus them mentality when it when when it comes to school administration. And what you saw yourself kind of being thrown into was administration, because the moment you went from being teacher only to someone who collaborates more often with with administration, you start to you start to become what they call a suit. I got names for these. Things. You're a suit, Ross. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was about I was about to say historically, there's that uh, the word collaborator is a loaded term, and so it, it may not be terribly inaccurate, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes but but there's a there's a there's a certain level of distrust that exists between what we consider the suit administration and and teachers there just there just is um and 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 as a leader you have to go in knowing that that exists if you went in not considering those things i think it'll make your job a lot more difficult 
and you'd be a lot more frustrated uh, with with your efforts not necessarily yielding the results that you want to see. But understanding that as as the basis of how you're perceived, you have to work just as hard to break down that that level of distrust. And and it doesn't happen easy. It doesn't happen overnight. Again, I mentioned the word stranger danger because that is literally how it feels when you're coming in and you're 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 wanting to work side by side with your with your staff and they're seeing you as them <laughs> and not us. Mm-hmm. So uh, but but one of the things that I've I've done on my own, just some research I've done and just my own philosophy is that before trust and 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 you see a lot about trust, you hear a lot about trust. I think Stephen Co- Covey uh dedicated several novels and, and literature about about trust and the speed of trust and, and trust, 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 because it's, it's it has to be established in order to move to the next level. But in my opinion, there's a there's a characteristic that precedes trust that I don't think gets enough attention, and that is value. So if the teacher doesn't feel value, then the trust can't can't be formed. The trust is the byproduct of feeling value. And that's even in your own relationships. Your daughter trusts you to do certain things because you have exhibited over a course of time, a lot of time, that that she can trust you. You've, you've made yourself trustworthy. You've shown her that you valued her. You, you've done that a lot where, where she sees that you hold her in high regards, that you go out of your way because she is valuable to you. So she feels valued by you. And because she is valuable to you and feels valued by you, then trust is a byproduct of that relationship of value. Now, here's the difficult part about that. Your daughter is one person. And it's easier for you to establish value to value her, right? Than it is for a principal to, to to have that same characteristic be played out amongst 200 staff members. But it has to be. It has to be attempted. You have to value your the people. And and it can't be I'm only valuing you because because that's not authentic. Again, I'll, it goes back to my original statement. If you don't absolutely love people, then this job is not for you because People do things that are not always, <laughs> you know, not always what you desire for them to do, but we love them through it. Right. And, and, and they don't, they don't hit the ball out of the park every time at bat, but we still, we, we, we're still on the same team. We're still, we're still in the, in thinking the long game of, of success for our kids, success for our staff and our, and, and a culture where, where where people want to be there to continue the work because the work is hard. So again, I think that that level of distrust is something that is, I, we say natural just because it, it's, it's so apparent. It's really unnatural in my opinion, but that's a whole another story. Uh, but it exists; it definitely exists. So you're not you're not off off base at all by by that assertion. Uh, but it definitely is something that uh, has to be worked out every day. Because again, trust can be broken, right? And now you have to go through the whole the, the whole rigmarole of the work that it took to establish the trust. And now that it's, it feels like it's been fractured, it's a lot of work to mend that. And so 
it's best you don't fracture it once you've established it. But uh, value is the is the is the first step. I think it doesn't get enough attention if you're valuing um, the people that you work with, and 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 by doing so, I used to get told by my mom all the time that I don't I don't have any difference of opinions t- toward people. Like I treat people pretty much the same. If it's the president of the United States or some homeless man that I just met, they're all just as valuable. They all deserve to be treated with respect. They all deserve uh, initial positive presupposition. You know, it's, it's, those are those things. I don't, you know, and, and, and with that being said, that's just my personality, but I understand that the value element of it, if that's not, if you don't value, if you don't really value the people that you work with, they're going to notice. And if they notice that, that's where the, the distrust is going to be a byproduct of. So, uh, Alex, you've, you've talked a lot about teachers, and towards the end, you were more general talking about people and staff members. And I think this is a preview of maybe our next meeting, next time you, you could come on and join us. But can you just maybe conclude, put a bow on this, talking about all the adults in the room and in the school? And and as a principal, you're you're not just a principal of the teachers, but all of these adults and talk about culture maybe that broadly for a bit, but but we don't need to get into everything on that. Yeah. So um as we know, and 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 I don't know the why behind this, but the reality of it is everywhere you go, there's a we're hiring sign. And that wasn't always the case. Uh there 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 the restaurant industry it's in a it's in a pickle in a, in, in regards to uh, having enough employees, the healthcare industry is in the same pickle. Uh, the education industry is definitely experiencing this at a even more rapid rate than than years past. Um, so uh, there's almost every every entity out there, every every work force is is experiencing this thing where they're short of employees, they're short of people to actually get the job done. And and as a principal, you have to be cognizant of those things because, again, and, and, and that's why I said you, you're there more than just their, the principal of the campus and, and, and just their evaluator or appraiser. You're there as a human that is to support them in their other endeavors because sometimes they have come to you and they and they said be, because they feel valued by you and they trust you that they're going to give you more information that leads into some of their their future desires and interests as it relates professionally and and with that being the case you find yourself oftentimes in a mentor like role with 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 people in those and and those spaces and and you're trying to help them get to their next space doing those things and that actually helps with your culture because your culture you want your culture to be one that people work together to to accomplish their professional goals and 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 even personal goals and i think collective teacher advocacy is one of the highest yielders of of moving the needle as far as with 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 academic success in a, in a building is that cte but but again going back to the the, the point that there are so many we're hiring signs up. It, it, it would be in your best interest as a leader to to make sure that your culture is so 
so strong and so positive and such a place where people want to be that you have like a reduced amount of turnover. There's natural turnover that takes place in any industry. Uh, there are a lot of competing factors for why, you know, as to why people are, are leaving and wanting to explore different options. But uh, it, it definitely, as, as a leader, you want to make sure that you're creating a culture or that you're maintaining a culture, or that you have such an inclusive culture that people don't want to leave it because they are responsible for for it being what it is. They don't want to leave it because of that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing that in a lot of different industry and education even more now than than years past because we're seeing fewer people go into education out of college. So we're starting with a smaller, a smaller pot and then we're not retaining uh, enough teachers once we have that small pot of people dip their toe in the water, we're not keeping them there. And I think culture does play a part in keeping them there and growing, growing these, these future leaders. And um, I, I think that that's a big part of that. And if they don't feel they can grow at that campus, then they're going to look elsewhere. Excellent. Well, I feel like we stayed on a topic, and Ross, that's not normal for us. We usually deviate, and who knows? But it feels good, and we we need to do more of this, I think, to dig in a little bit more. Um, but but thanks for keeping us on track. Yeah, and, and I I do the invitation is a standing one, so we definitely want to get you back here often and i'm i'm saying that because we're friends but also because your previous episode is you know one of the two or three highest we've ever had as far as <laughs> listener <laughs> so thank you we appreciate well, it oh <laughs> uh, well, like i said i i appreciate getting to talk with you guys about this a lot of times uh this is ther- therapeutic even for mm-hmm. us when we're able to, to we think about these things because they're important to us, right? And 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 having a platform to discuss these uh, the, these topics in a way that could be beneficial going forward is always worth the work. Excellent. With that, we will wrap things up for today. Uh, more football lies ahead. Who knows what will happen? But perhaps it'll be a purple moon rising over the country in the victory of the ravens who knows we'll see what happens but uh nevertheless thank you dr fingers thank you dr bourgeois and we shall say adieu thank you everybody thank you all